first week without Travis, so we've just got some things that we're connecting. So Mark Sayers was talking about our life with God can sometimes feel like we are on a motorway. And the motorway that you are on with him, in your relationship with him, has exits that you can decide to get off the motorway. So there's open roads, there's traffic flowing, and he's talking about these exit ramps that for many of us, we've seen people, maybe close to us, that have been traveling along on the motorway in, the life, in their life with God, and they've just taken an exit ramp, and they're off, and they're disengaged. Or maybe you've even felt that as there's been suffering or pain, that you just want to opt for an exit ramp rather than keep going straight ahead. And even this cultural pressure that we're actually in right now, for Christians living in Melbourne right now, there's often an opportunity for us to choose a more comfortable way and stay on the motorway. And he was just describing how that is um, activated in our lives is that we have multiple yes moments to stay on the narrow path, to stay following Jesus rather than taking an exit ramp. And many of you have experienced that. You that are in this room have experienced repeated practice moments where you've constantly had to say yes to what God has for you. And it can be a lonely path because those decisions are often the ones that you make with no one else around. You're saying, I'm still going towards spiritual growth with you and life and joy with you, God. And Jesus, you are leading us on in that as a community, but also I just want to acknowledge for each of you, thank you for saying yes to him again and again and again. Thank you for the practice that you show through your life of constantly saying that staying on that motorway and not taking an off-ramp and going to a more comfortable place. And I want to say thank you, not only as a lead pastor, but to honour your yes and say stick with him because the best is coming and the best is here and by being faithful and hungry, that's keeping you on that motorway. I just thought it was a really good description and I want to, before we start, give you an opportunity just to maybe someone next door to you, sitting next to you, or you want to just stand up and go over and say, Thank you for showing me what it is to say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes. Just do that now. You can stand up or you can just say it to the person next to you. Multiple yeses. Who have you seen do that? Just thank them and honor them for that. Let's take a moment. Of generosity. 
and they start with using the illustration of imagine that you have been invited by a friend to a party and you arrive there, we all like parties right? You arrive there and there's lots of decorations, there's tons of food and drink and there is enough for everyone. And they describe that you're being hosted by someone that is so generous that you don't have to worry about anything except enjoying that moment. And that host is so generous that all you have to do is focus on the people that are there. And they describe this picture of the world that we find in the Bible. We've just, they describe that creation is the full expression of God's generous love. He's the host. And as humans, we're his guests in a world where there's opportunity to experience his abundance. And we're here to keep the party going. We're here with this beautiful picture to keep experiencing his love because he loves you so much and then sharing it because he's the host of this generous party that we experience in the world. And he's created it all for us to experience that. And then the video sadly goes into, that's not always our experience. And it shows then how we find that there is a world of scarcity and struggle that we bump into and pain, as Jeff was talking about, where we recognize something has changed and we're not experiencing the, bum, the abundance that the host has provided for us. And the Bible tells us that God wants humans to experience his generosity and he chooses them. As we've been seeing in the Old Testament, we see the story of one family, the family of Abraham, who have given the promises to show what it is to host God's generosity and then share that with everyone else. And we've been looking at that over the last few weeks, seeing that God will provide all they need and all we need and all they have to do is trust his generosity. And then through them, the world is going to see the host as he really is. And so today, we're going to have a look at how that rolls out. And we're going to continue to pick up that story of what it is for Abraham's descendants to arrive, the Israelites, arriving in this land of abundance, the promised land. And then they quickly forget who is the host, who has provided it all. And they quickly forget who gave it to them and they quickly start to believe it's not enough for everyone. So that's why this word remember is going to be on the screen because God continues to remind his people through the Old Testament, moving through into the New Testament, the word remember is highlighted often because we are a forgetful people about God's goodness, aren't we? We have to be reminded that we're not shortchanged we actually are not living in lack. We don't have to take things into our own hands. There is a host that wants to share all the goodness. It's kind of like our obeyer gets broken, our memory gets broken, and we need to be reminded and healed and reminded that he is the one that is gonna to give to us all that we need. So to summarize where we've been, just the word remember. Remember the laws that he put in place for his people, and you know, some of you are reading the Bible for uh, in a year. You've got those plans going. Anyone doing that? Some of you? Yeah? And you get to the part where all the laws are written out, and we kind of sort out, don't we? And say, oh, this is way too hard to read. Well, as we push through that, 
we realize God is actually setting up a social structure. He's setting apart a people so that they will know fullness of living holy before him, but also living with his generosity and experiencing it. And so he gives them a law, which we've been looking at, which was setting up a whole different economy, and he gives them the law to set them apart, to bear his image. And we looked at the one about gleaning, where if you're producing crops, you keep some margins for others. Remember we looked at that last week? And then he also gave laws about tithing, which was 10% of what you produce on the land that God has given you, will then be given back firstly to God, to honour him as the generous host. And the gleaning is really like saying there's a pantry available to all the widows and the poor and the follower, for, foreigners, and that pantry is what you produce. Come and help yourself. Have some margin there. And the tithing is saying we're giving back to God who has supplied all to us. So through Abraham and then through Moses, we see these laws are helping discover the trust that we have in a generous host. And today, I just want to look at one other part of what he set up for his people, which is so radical, it kind of makes me excited and also scared at the same time, because God also set up a thing called Jubilee. You heard of that? We've had jubilees around queens and anniversaries and all sorts of stuff, but God actually started this was a thing when the, his, Israel had arrived in the Promised Land and they'd arrived in this long-awaited destination. God had given out the 12 tribes some of their slots of land and said, this is for you, and those pieces of property became where the tribes began to produce in the Promised Land all that God had given them. But then it gets really complicated. Instead of it being simple, we notice that some of those pieces of land didn't go so well, and so they were falling into debt. They had to then sell their land, and they had to then try and get out of debt because they didn't have anything producing that was giving them what they needed. And it's really hard for us to define what was going on in that complicated part. It's kind of like if we were trying to define what poverty is right now. And God was really wanting, through this complexity of the situation in the promised land, God was wanting to set up a society where he was known as host, but it didn't turn out that way. Part of that is that, as we know with agriculture, there are weather patterns that are unpredictable, there are soil compositions that are unpredictable, rainfall, all of that meant that there were some who were experiencing poverty and others who were really wealthy. So God decided he's going to do something radical and he called a year of Jubilee, which means in Leviticus 25, you can follow along if you want, but it meant that after 50 years, the people of God, Israelites, would return to their original land. Can you imagine it? And they then went back to being the original owners where they started. And it was totally free of charge. It was radical. There was no questions asked. Return to your original place where your family started. So can you imagine the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, there's no selling, there's no repaying, there's no gathering. It's a holy time where you eat what the land produces. Who's the producer? God. And so again, that trust in God is built back into their economy. It's a big reset, a reset of the economy and a reset of their lives. 
And if, if we're picking that up in terms of a generosity conversation that we're in right now, it's really, again, saying to God's people, trust God, there is enough, he will provide. And he's leading them through all these phases of trust. And the first one was manna and quail, remember? Where every day I will provide your needs. Every day, take what you need. And then on the seventh day, what did they do? Stop, rest. Still provision came. And then the next phase of trust was they were reset with the whole thing of Sabbath, where God said, just rest on the seventh day, like he did. Rest on the seventh day and trust that he will provide. Often we think that Sabbath and rest is about relaxation. It is, but it's mostly about recognition. Recognizing who is the center and the order of our lives. Who is the one who, beyond our effort, produces all that we need. And who is the one that provides and satisfies our needs. And so the Sabbath is this rest and recognition so this jubilee was a whole year of that. Can you imagine? Put down your tools and recognize God's the one that's going to provide for you. What a stretch. To be honest, I haven't actually found that there's any proof that that happened, that it wasn't beyond more of an ideal, and that it was an idea, but it was also an aspiration and also pointing to something. So maybe if you've got that answer and that key and you've learned about Jubilee a bit more deeply than I have, come and tell me if you actually have any narrative of that where it did happen for Israel. But God planted this idea in, in his principles and the way to live as a symbolic hope, a hope that the Jubilee was to point towards the future hope, the fulfillment of time where there would be restoration. And who are we pointing to? pointing to Jesus. It's all leading to Jesus, to the gift where the host actually came down to enjoy the party himself. And the party had been spoiled, but he was coming to reignite that party. And the year of Jubilee is pointing towards what Jesus was about to arrive with, fulfilling all those laws this is where it's all going, he's saying. And we know that because the very first thing that he did as he started his ministry was he, he announced in Isaiah 61, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. It is fulfilled now. Jubilee. He's saying it's now. It's not what you were looking back towards. It's here. It's fulfilled in your hearing. That's how he launched out as he came and joined us in this world to reestablish the party of new creation that God started. And we call it the kingdom of God has arrived, is at hand. I had a jubilee moment, surprisingly, in my 49th year. Yeah, I know, hard to believe I'm over 50, right? <laughs> in my 49th year, a lot of people started saying to me, oh, you're going to have your jubilee year next year. And I just kind of said, oh, that's great, that's great. <laughs> Thinking that it would be a little bit like, you know, we celebrate the Queen's been sitting on the throne for 50 years or whatever it is. I felt like it was going to be just that kind of celebration until God got really personal for me. 
Have you ever noticed that he kind of has a language that hits your heart? And each of you will have a different language that he speaks to you. And he started to speak through our friend, Rob Carter. Rob, over here, if you don't know him, is just amazing. He keeps on responding to God's language of the Spirit. And at one point in 2015, the year before I turned 50, he was discovering lots of coins as he went walking. <laughs> and he would just find them on the ground and he'd bring them and have a story with every coin. And I, you know, we were interpreting with him what that meant and it's like, oh, he's got change in his pocket and he found all these coins and it's like, what else did we have? Do you remember? Chiefly coins, but there was the, this language that was noticed, that Rob was noticing as he's finding coins. And this one time in 2015, he found a 50-cent coin that had the word Jubilee on it. And the little tagline was, celebrate all things great. And because God had already been speaking to him about the change that he has and this change upon him and all sorts of things that we're doing prophetically with Rob finding coins, he gave that one to me and said, I think this is about Jubilee for you. Celebrate all things great. Yeah. It gets better. So I'm tuning in. And this is a big part of my role as a lead pastor is to help us tune into what is God doing. This is a personal story for me about Jubilee. And so I'm tuning in to celebrate all things great. Fantastic. That's what next year will be. I'm going to start joining with partnering what that's father saying. And then a few months later, I woke up, and this does not happen every time either. This is not a daily thing. It was an unusual thing. But I woke up with a very clear image in my mind of a place that I knew well, and it was Sorrento Back Beach. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Why am I thinking about that? It was my day off, and I just thought I had a lot of things I needed to do. But this image would not go away. Have you ever had that? Where there's like this thing that just keeps in front of you. And so after an hour of being up thinking I was going to do this on my Saturday, I felt like this was another moment. It was a nudge from the Lord. You need to drive there today. Don't do this all the time, but I did that. So I picked up my water bottle and I picked up this towel because I was ready to go for a walk on the back beach. <laughs> I thought that must be what was happening today. Got there and right where my mind was imagining was a sign that said St. Paul's Beach. And I'm like, okay, if God's in this, that's a pretty good sign, right? I'm going to take that track right where I imagined. As I'm walking along towards St. Paul's Beach at Sorrento, another sign points me to Jubilee Point. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm like, alright, this is a theme, this is something I need to learn more about. This is not just something in the Old Testament that is now fulfilled, it's actually something that's alive for me. So I went back to the car, got my water bottle, and I'm wiping my, you know, let's call it sweat, it was. <laughs> and on this very towel, wait for it, Jubilee. <laughs> Who can make this stuff up? He had my attention, and I'm like, woo! <laughs> so can you imagine how animated my drive home was? 
God was speaking to me about his promises. Celebrate all things great. He's the generous God. And he wants to make it personal for us. Amen. And so with the help of friends and community and paying attention, it got bigger for me. Because in my 50th year, I would never have said let's have a party. But because God had helped prepare my heart, because friends had been bold enough to give me 50 cent coins, and then also an invitation came from some very dear people in this church saying, we want to celebrate you next year. We want to put on a party for you. I've never done that. That's not my thing to do. I don't like being the center of attention. But because of all that God was saying, I said yes. And it was the best party. It was so fun. It was like, invite who you want and come along. And they just hosted a picture of the generous host. And I got to experience it alongside all my friends. And my family came too. It was just a joy. And it's marked in my life timeline. It's marked for me. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what also the kingdom of God looks like amongst us. It looks like Wednesday night, pray and battle and worship and bring our fullness for breakthrough when we lose a fight. But it also means setting up places where we host the most generous expression of what the kingdom looks like. This is the invitation for us today, that God's wanting us to find a personal story where, where Jesus has literally come and he's brought fulfillment to this sense of jubilee that the favourable year of the Lord is here. What's it going to look like personally for you? It doesn't have to be around 50. You don't have to wait till 50 or you don't have to wait for another 50 years. <laughs> it's literally God inviting us now. What's it look like for us to host as a generous people? So today, I want to say and announce the party's not over in the world that we're living in. We are in a battleground. We are in a place where we need to develop our trust muscles with how much God is going to provide for us. But the kingdom of God is here. And if we believe enough as a community and start seeing opportunities everywhere with our time and our money and our resources and our attention, we will also, in the most important ways, experience the abundance of God's new creation right now. We'll experience the abundance of sharing that with others and we'll experience the trust in God as being our generous host. Next slide is all about what happens when we don't pay attention to that invitation. And Jesus had words about things that interrupt our trust in God as being a generous host. And he basically was saying in Luke 12, beware, guard against anything, any kind of greed, and life is not measured by how much you own. So Jesus, as we learned last week, has a lot to say about our material possessions and about our internal motivations. And making security by our own means, which he calls greed, he's saying beware of that. 
So today I just want to really quickly have a look at some words of Jesus on the next slide and really quickly just have a look at what he's saying to us today. Luke 11. So here Jesus is talking about tithing and that was one of the laws that he set up. Tithing was 10% in the generosity of the people to give back to God. And he said, He's talking to those that were in charge of the law. He's talking to the Pharisees that were holding the law. And this is what he said to them. You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy. You're full of greed and wickedness. Fools, he said that last week too, right? Remember John the Baptist? Fools. Fools don't, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by, here's that theme again, giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. Next slide. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income for your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the most important things. Here Jesus is saying that law, tithing, it's that, but it's also justice and generosity. So Jesus comes not to, he fulfills the law, but he comes to add also an invitation to say there's more generosity to experience. The invitation to be seeing that you're free from the law, but you're also seeing him raise the bar. Have you noticed that? He never goes back to where it started in terms of setting up those training wheels for the people of God to learn trust. He raises the bar and says, I'm inviting you into generosity. He's not commanding us not to tithe. He's saying, yeah, do that. But there's a bigger story at work and it's called living generously. Next slide. So this law, this tithing law, which we hear about in church, and often people will think that's an old law. Let's not pick that up. So here Jesus is saying that's the training wheels and the actual trajectory for the biblical story is it's more than just the edges of the field that you need to leave, the margins for those to come and get. It's actually everything you've got spent on behalf of others. Which is why that party illustration is such a good illustration for us to visually picture. It's everything. Share it all. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have savings. I'm not saying that we don't put things aside and that we don't do the wise things. What I am saying is that we consult Jesus and say, what's living like generously look like? Is it what you've decided on or is it what Jesus has you and you have decided on? Very often, around material possessions, there's an attitude of, don't touch that, that's mine. You ever seen that? It rises if you try and touch that. <laughs> so if there's anything that we're separating and putting apart from consulting with Jesus about it being his, what does he want to do with it? Then very often we're going to find a need for repentance and say, I'm sorry, that's not mine. What do you want to do with that? So there's implications, which we're just going to quickly have a look at now. One of the implications is 
We can't separate repentance from generosity. We want to see the fullness of generosity, and we see that increasing measures, and often we'll choose comfort. We want to be comfortable. For example, in our Western mindset, we want to be more and more comfortable the older we get. And often that works out that way, that people might even choose to be able to afford a holiday home, traveling, more in the savings, and there's an expectation that the older you get, the more comfortable you're gonna get. Is that assumption of our lifestyle upgrade something that we do without Jesus? If he's involved in that and invites you into that, that's a way of living generously with him, that's great. But have we consulted Jesus? That is that the lifestyle he wants for us. The great Aussie dream or the kingdom dream. Do, how do we live that out in this current day where there's all sorts of pressures on our finances? We want to hold things back. I don't know if it's like you, but it's in the airwaves. Don't overspend. Don't go anywhere near your savings. Leave it there to build. Be anxious. Be worried. And I'm here to say there's another story going on as well. Be generous. <clears throat> Are there any boundary lines that we've drawn around our own generosity without consulting Jesus? That's all I'm asking. Are there any boundary lines you've drawn? Second thing is we can't separate God's spirit and his power from material generosity. And you've heard me say that the thing that we're doing with going after seeing more healing arriving is right alongside spirit's power and material possessions and being generous with that. It flows from the same heart of the host that wants to see every debt repaid, wants to see all pain healed and restored and is signposting that's what new creation will look like. There's a story of Thomas Aquinas, who's a priest of the 12, in, born in 1200, so in Rome, in Italy, and he was walking with a friend through Rome, and he was looking at the gorgeous cathedral that had been built, and he said, oh, we Christians, we can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And in response, Aquinas said to his friend, completing the, story, completing the story, he said, but neither can we say to the lame man, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The Spirit's power and generosity goes together. We can experience both and we can fight for that. We can stand and contend for that together. But we can also celebrate when we see that arrive through Jesus. So there's significant outpouring of God's spirit and power happening right now in our nation and around the world. We can also expect, expect that alongside that will be God's generosity. We're just going to